Welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined by my friend, co-host, and he of a very specific and dangerous foodie palate, Alex Tandino. See, it took him a second to say his name. He had to get the marbles and safety pins down. (laughs) All right, guys. Uh... Before we get started here, thank you, as always, for joining us. We hope you enjoy your time uh, here with us in the Film Alchemist. If you do, if you would be so kind, please take a second uh, and leave us a rating and review wherever you find the show. It's a little bit of effort, but it means the absolute world to guys like us. Uh, We've seen those of you who have been doing that. The shows are growing on the charts. We appreciate that, and it's that kind of effort that helps us out. So a quick couple sentences about what you like about the show. A quick five-star rating and review, especially on Apple Podcasts app. Wink, wink. Uh, and that helps us out a lot, guys. You can also subscribe to our uh, YouTube channel, Nerd Alchemist, if you would like to see the faces behind these very, very dreamy voices. Uh, you can also find us on every social media that you're on. We love interacting with uh, those of you guys who find us on social media. It's a great way to get a hold of us. Also, you can email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com, with your ideas for uh, people you'd like to see us talk to or hear us talk to on the show, Uh, movies you'd like to see us cover, new and old, themes for a whole month, all of that fun stuff. Uh, You guys get at us. If you want to hear about it, we would love to give that to you. All right, business aside, let me issue two warnings to start. One... Uh, is a spoiler alert. This is a newer film, right? One of our series of uh, some of these new awesome video on demand movies we found that wanted to talk about. So today we will be discussing Swallow. So first off, I would like to issue a spoiler alert. If you haven't seen Swallow yet, feel free to pause the show now, go watch Swallow, and then come back because we're going to talk about everything, and I mean everything we saw in Swallow. Um, I will also (laughs) offer a little bit of a warning. Uh, for those of you who listen to the show, uh, you probably have watched some pretty horrible movies with us by now. This is a great movie, but a trigger warning is pretty applicable, I feel like, right? There are some things that uh, will be hard to swallow. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> Lambert laugh. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, you know. Not for the faint of heart, but I think that if you can stomach it, <laughs> what a great film! Get it all out. Uh, you will Get be it in all out now. That's all out. That's it. That's all my pun. Well, I probably have a couple more in the old pun satchel. I'm pretty sure "Get it all." I'm pretty sure "Get it all out" was a pun too. Now that I think about it, right? <laughs> yeah, have your Syrian uh, bodyguard come in and punch you in the gut. Get it all out. All right, so Alex. Swallow, this was both of our first viewing, a uh, newer yeah. film. Mm-hmm. What was your initial takeaway? Let's kick this thing off. I mean, I texted you and told you I'd never forgive you for making me watch this movie. It has like... <laughs> that. Thus, I issued the trigger warnings. So I was like, maybe, yeah. just maybe. <laughs> it has like all the things that I find that make a movie like excruciating in a lot of ways. Like in the ways that like make me want to watch a movie, but cringe at the same time. Like it's this weird ASMR thing that happens throughout the movie, particularly when, uh, our, uh, hero <laughs> heroine of the film, uh, Hunter starts, uh, swallowing things, so to speak. Um, more. And, and again, it's just, it's a fascinating dive into what I think is, I mean, yes, there is like the psychological component. Of this is, I didn't realize this, I thought they made it, maybe made it up for the movie, but there is this is an actual disorder called Pika. Yes, um, uh, my wife again. She was she's a nurse. She's like, I hope they're not saying this is Pika because they that's not what they wouldn't really do that. They eat like toilet paper and things. I'm like, 
that's not dramatic, Amy. That's not yeah. drama. We no. need high drama of eating like uh, you know ball peen hammers or whatever the hell was going on. <laughs> but yeah, uh, <laughs> she, I mean, it, it, like yes. it's a matter of it is fascinating though because the movie ends up being. This, you know, this movie could have gone the wrong direction and been like just sort of this like woman unraveling story. And I mean, we've seen that before. There's nothing very fascinating to me about those kinds of stories. Some of them are done exceptionally well, but I would say like they've mm -hmm. been done exceptionally well. And I don't really this one could have been that. And instead, it is about a woman taking control of a situation that she really is the only one who should have any control over. It's pretty fascinating to me. Like when you start diving into the neuroses of the movie itself, because basically this woman Hunter is, she's almost like a chambermaid. She's essentially bound to this house and bound to this life because she married well. And everyone right. throughout the movie spends their time, at least the first half of the movie spends their time, telling her how lucky she is that she and then she reinforces it to herself and being like i just feel lucky and it's like but do you and that's yeah. when like things start to change a little bit it's pretty fascinating yeah and it's funny too you watch it and i i just kept getting these shades of all these other great movies that kind of deal with this mm -hmm. right uh this has shades of rosemary's baby this has shades of i mean this is really a parallel story to the invisible man we saw last year yes or this year i guess fuck this year's felt so fucking long uh but yeah invisible man um to me there's even almost like a shawshank redemption element right <laughs> where it's just yes. this like this woman trapped in this fucking horror show of a movie just trying to find these little tiny like moments right to fight back against her harsh reality right. uh there's kind of a, a stepford wives programming element to it definitely but what I think it does, right, is that it's in that that pantheon, right, of these these movies. But what I think this one does is it, it never really stops to let you out of the, the per personal grief, right? Uh -huh. It hangs heavy on this film, right? The 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 turmoil of uh Hunter, right, played beautifully by oh Haley Bennett. Haley Bennett is amazing. It's fucking stunning because what I love about it, too, is so much of the movie is her character trying desperately to not let on, right, that something's wrong, right? She does that Stepford right. thing, right? Like, it'll be fine. And it's, oh, my God. But you start watching, right, and this, this really personal journey. I thought this would be more, more kitschy than it was, right? Like, I thought that the mm -hmm. eating things would be more of a, an important, like, oh, God, what is it now? Right. And instead, it's just such an after effect of the pain she's suffering. Mm -hmm. it, it's such a different movie than I thought. And then you start watching, you're like, the hardest thing to swallow are these fucking assholes in her life. Absolute like, she's just swallowing people. the shit pill constantly, and it's unbearable. Yeah. But I think that yeah. is what's fun about this. And not, this is not a movie I would ascribe the word fun to loosely. Fun is not necessarily the word, but... Right. But I'm saying it's done with such craft right yes. i like the way they handle the story to where again this is one of those movies where i would say it's kind of analog to the nightingale too where it's just a movie of immense suffering right but unlike the nightingale this had that little extra layer of at least there's some kind of element that doesn't make me just want to right. explode the whole time i'm watching yeah there's also only what there's also only one off-screen rape in this movie that was pretty nice jesus christ right so but that's a, i mean this is this is a hard balance and i would ask you that how do you think they did it is a hard balance to make a movie that is about really personal inner trauma right mm -hmm. and these are the kind of devastations that we feel inside right these small slights that become so big where other people can't see. You can't see that on screen. You can't get a set piece out of it. And it's right. hard because sometimes audiences just feel overwhelmed. You're like, dude, my own life sucks. I don't want to. Because it is hard. Like, through the movie, I kept being like, can you stop being horrible to this fucking lady? Yeah. Dear God. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you think they did on the uh, the balancing the grief in this film? I mean, I thought it was amazing, to be honest with you. Like, there's a level of it right? that is just too... There's a point where I was almost like, is she just not going to address like anything going on in her life? Like, is she like so fucked up that nothing's going to come up? Yeah, man. But to me, there's a version of this movie that swings way too close to like 
a movie like Raw, where it does become yeah. kind of a gimmick and a little little kitschy almost. And I love Raw. I think it's a great movie, but there is a bit of that. that right. But um, I see your point, though, right, is that Raw starts using it more as that kind of genre shield. So you're not right. overwhelmed by this emotion the, of the story. This right? really stays with grief. <laughs> and I think that's pretty interesting. Like, to oh, me, wow. like, the director, uh, Carlo Mirabella Davis, he um, actually directed this documentary called The Swell Season, which is about those people that um, they wrote the music for that movie once. Um, the couple that, like, broke up in the middle, like... He can't, I, I've watched that. I watched that documentary years ago, and honestly, it's like the <laughs> saddest thing I've ever seen. So, to me, it made a lot of sense that this movie sort of stuck and hung with grief rather than like played up to genre. I would say, like, yeah. the look of everything in this movie is hyper specific. Like, everything is very like everyone. Everything's very, I would say, like hip. Everything's very hip. Like everything looks very See, well. To me, everything it's, looks it's very surrealism, well right? Yes. Yeah, it's it's surrealism though, because it is the funny thing. Because you start sitting there, and through the movie, you start doing these classics. Like, well, she's expecting, right? Right. They just got married, and we see the heavy-handed, you know, rich whites that always fucking have a hand in these movies about bad husbands, and you know, you're like, oh, it's rich people. I don't care if they're eating batteries. Right. <laughs> you know, they had it coming. They're they're rich whites. <laughs> So you have that element, right? But you start yes. sitting there and being like, where are, where are her parents, man? Where are her sisters? Like, something feels off. And then you start adding that lack of information, right? With how guarded she is. And how even in her guarded Stepford Wives moments, right? You can feel something missing. Something's wrong. Right. And it develops this fucking dread. Because mm -hmm. I think what the cool thing about this movie is really, like, if I had to pinpoint one of the things I think that is most impressive... Is they're selling you a bill of goods, which is come to the movie where uh, the lady eats crazy things. Right. Cringe, gross. How inconsequential that became to me by the end of the movie. Yeah, it's almost a it's almost a non-starter, to be honest with you. Yeah, and so you're sitting there just watching her in these moments of just grief, right? So she has this big fucking stupid-looking house, right? Like a rich person house. Yeah. We're like, what is the point of this? Let me you know, stick saran wrap on the window. So it's red because a baby needs to grow up in a fucking red room, right? Like what the fuck? And she, there's something I noticed too, right? Like her clothes are so hyper colored and it's pulling her away. Right. So she always feels separate. But then whenever she's in a scene with his parents, she is wearing something that makes her match the fucking furniture of the room. Yeah. She like to where she looks like she's a throw pillow. She's an accessory to the I noticed that too. People. It's really fascinating yeah. how she tries to blend in. And it's like almost that camouflage you use of like, I don't belong here. Yeah. And that's kind of how I felt because yeah. like when she's in her right? house, and the more she blends in, the more it's like the glaring, like something's wrong. Right. Well, <laughs> I think the thing that I noted the most was honestly her haircut because like her, the rich guy's mother says like, you should Dude. grow your hair out. Like my, like Richie likes his girls with long, beautiful hair. And I, it was fascinating. Cause like the first thing I noted in the movie was like, this haircut is weird because it's almost this sort of mod thing, but it's also not, it's almost yeah. like, it's just sort of it's sort of very it's it was very weird to me that that was like the haircut she stuck with the entire time and then on top of that like the way she dresses for dinner is very presentable it's like almost madmanish in a lot of ways yeah right very yeah weird. yeah but but again it's yeah. it's because we see her sitting around the house watching these commercials about here's who you should be right here's how you cover up any real humanity you have you know whiter teeth that'll do it and then just playing candy crush and all of a sudden uh world's shittiest husband's about to get home oh, boy and you're like uh oh i'll put on this fucking elaborate dress and and this is like a really cool thing they did right away right it starts with this uh lamb being slaughtered right, right. there's a really cool visual opening yeah. of this lamb being slaughtered as we're walking around this you know fucking estate whatever the fuck is happening in this house right and we meet at it's like this culminating moment of the you know, dickhead dad being like, you know, oh, thanks for coming. He is a, blah, 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 blah. you know, he's doing his <laughs> shit and you're sitting there watching and they, but it's like this presentable rich person meal and it, you feel gross about it. You're like, fuck, I just watched that bucket of blood and all that. Yeah. And then they do it again, right? Before he comes home for dinner, she's squeezing this sauce out of like a condiment jar mm -hmm. and it's just gross and looks a little, uh, vomitous, right? Yeah. 
And all of a sudden you're like, oh, this is another, they're making food look disgusting to me. But then when they cut to the overhead shot, it's one of those like Instagram plates, right? right? And she's like gently arranging the food. Yeah. And so I was like, there is this weird, everything is an act, right? Everyone is eating things and it's nastier than it's supposed to be. But if we present it right, and you start thinking out, right? You're like, that's exactly what's happening to this poor girl. Because again, I think we need to take a uh, <laughs> dis bitch break. <laughs> like dis bitch. I was literally watching the TV and every time the mom was on, I was like, this bitch. Right? Because there's like a brief moment for one second of the film when she's doing the juice thing where you're like, oh, man, she's going to help out a little. Yeah. No, she's not. not. She is the telling her daughter what fucking turns her husband on. So weird. Doing something. But there's a line, right, when she's like, what did you do before you were lucky enough to find my son and his money? Yes. And she's like retail and she's like selling things to other poors, question mark. Right. And you're just, it's like. It's so weird. I was like, I get it. We need them to be so rich that we don't care what happens to them. But this bitch, right? Like, I literally was like, this is so much. And then the dad just comes in from the top rope. Like, he is the worst, worst, worst. I love that But guy. it's, it's. That. Like, watching this family consume what little bit of her we feel trapped inside of this uh, gilded cage. That is where the horror of this movie truly lies. Yeah. the That actor who plays that dad, he's like the fucking Republican guy in every movie or TV show ever. He's so good at that. Like, yeah. And again, What's this? David Raish, I believe is his name. I've got the letterbox of David Raish. He's so wonderful as just like, yeah. Asshole guy, asshole in suit, asshole uppity yeah. guy who works at a law firm. Like those are the guys yeah. that I just, he's perfect. And he's perfectly suited because he has that temper of like, I know everything because I'm a man and I know everything because I've been married for X, Y, and Z years. Like it's a fascinating sort of tightrope walk they all play. And what's interesting to me is like, I didn't understand why like like rich like Richard and Hunter are married in the beginning of the movie. Like I thought we were going to see like a wedding. An immediate question, right, that I had is like as they're going through their life, I was like how, how? did cuz like even invisible man they're like, "Oh, we met at a party, you know, he was smitten by me and I became this like object of infatuation." Right. I have no idea in this film how we are supposed to at all believe that right. these two met and we're married do i believe that guy was in a mall yeah uh you know fuck face vaughn you know dick mouth the third like that guy was in a mall shopping for anything yeah and then struck up with the peasants and like it's it's beyond fucking insanity and we get those brief moments of maybe there's like a sexual thing because there's like a little moments of like intimacy but his performance, actually, uh, Austin Stowell, right, who played Richie. Wow. I think that's the actor's name. Because, uh, yeah, he was – talk about a guy who was just born to play the biggest butthole. <laughs> right? Like, at the moment you see that guy, you're like, this butthole. And I just wanted to fist fight him yeah. every second of the frame, right? You just – you fucking hate him. Even, like, the subtle things, right? He's getting ready in the morning. That He's got the fake teeth shit on, right? And you're like, everything about this guy sucks. Like, when he comes home and she makes dinner and she just... It's one of those moments you have to stop and think about your own marriage. Where, like, sometimes my wife will come in the room and I'm trying to work or whatever. And she'll just be like, hey, this thing happened. And my brain immediately is like, oh, my God, that's not nearly as important as what I'm doing. Like, why would we talk about this? And then you're like, oh, fuck. Like, to her, it means a lot, right? And it, uh, there are these little moments, right, that connect us to humanity. The kind of thing we never see in this house, right? This is a right. cold, fucking empty shell. It's an art piece. This is not a family home. And so when she's just talking about flowers and this and that, and he's just on his phone and just kind of gives her that condescending, like, oh, you're saying things beneath me. Hmm. Hmm. And you just start being like, oh, my God, if I ever have done that to my wife, I need to course correct so hard. <laughs> it's fucking unbearable. Yeah. The, right? the, the tie thing in the morning is like the tie bit is probably like the I'm like, oh, you dick like he but that that's a good one, too. The tie, because that one's cool, because I think all of us husbands are like, I think I 
been yeah. that guy that's to the a thing lesser too. degree. Like, I know I've yeah. been like over something that meaningless. And the best part yeah. is like it's not that he like Also, thanks for helping me. Fuck you. <laughs> that's married people shit. <laughs> it's not that he like corrects her because like like again, I've watched like like one of my all-time favorite comedies is Sleeping with the Enemy, and that's exactly the same. it starts sort of the same way. And um like she he basically it was like he whips the tie off like great now i gotta change my shirt and my whole outfit i'm like listen mr manicured closet like brought brought together by kanye west relax all right well also i love how he's like oh what am i gonna do i'm like bitch i guarantee you if the camera pans over there's 85 outfits you're ready to go he's like well i gotta change my whole outfit those cool moments right too it's a Oh, you didn't know how to handle silk? You fucking pleb. Yeah, you wow. fucking peasant. And it's just because I think honestly, like you start to really get a sense of like how this movie is going to shape out during the pregnancy moment, right? Yes. So when she reads the pregnant test, this isn't a, oh, I'm happy. My house, I'll have someone else. I'll have someone with me, right? Like my loneliness will subside. There's a. It almost looks like fear, right? In the great scene, this is such beautiful blocking, right? It's one of those moments where you're like, oh, like they really thought this out and blocked it super well is that Richie's in the other room talking to his mom and dad on the phone. Yeah. She's not there with him. No, this is his this fucking is his thing, baby. Right? I've added to our clan, right? Like I have put one of us in that, that husk of a poor over there. <laughs> and soon we'll have, uh, you know, Richard Vaughn, Dick mouth, the eighth, like, look at what I've done. Mom and dad. Right. It's so creepy. Yeah. And it's so, and you see her just, fucking despondent right yeah it is it is super strange to me that yeah yeah i love i love that imagery like that alone is one such of those, a great moment that's yeah. one of those moments where i also was i also am like oh god was i too excited when we first decided we when we first found out she was like my wife was pregnant i was like oh, was i too excited did i like start you know what's funny over? i remember the exact moment because i was doing a podcast uh our very old show which i pray is not on the internet anymore booze buddies right right and so we used to do like three of them at a time. The setup was we would finish a bottle of alcohol and just talk about whatever. And when we had drank the whole bottle, the show is over. So, of course, like idiots, we're like, we can't do this every week. We'll die. So we would just do three bottles in one night <laughs> and usually have to erase the final show. Whatever. That's neither there here nor there. So we're like in between shows and I'm going into the bathroom to go pee because I'm full of booze and we would drink side beers and shit. And uh, I come in and I come out of the bathroom and Amy's crying, right? She's like, and I was like, what, what? And she's like, I'm pregnant. And I was like, oh, my God. I was like, what? It, like, blew my mind. I'm, like, drunk. You know, I'm excited. We go out in the living room, right? We have, like, our nice moment to be, like, happy. Right. We go out in the living room, and my co-host, Dylan, sees that Amy's crying and just goes, what the fuck did you do, Josh? <laughs> I just assumed that I had somehow been a bad husband and made my wife cry. And I was like, that's great. Yeah, that's... I'll cherish this moment forever. <laughs> yeah. I think it, I, it's one of those, it's, it was just one of those. Yeah. You're right. It's so well shot, but it's also such an uncomfortable moment because yeah, you do kind of have this like haves and the have nots type deal where you're like, this guy is literally like, this feels like real handmaid's tale. It was like, Oh good. Of Conrad said that she's a uh, pregnant. <laughs> like it's so of uncomfortable. Richie, yeah. Oh man, it's, dude. It, but that's, they do that scene several times in this, which is really good. Cause it gets at this kind of this horrifying image, right? Of no matter what you do and give up of yourself, right? You'll never be a part of. Right. And one of the scariest moments to me was the, uh, the dinner scene, right? So after the ultrasound reveals that she has all this shit in her stomach, right? This horrifying stuff she's been swallowing that is could be lethal to her or the baby. Uh, they have this party, and he makes her again dress in this bright fucking yellow thing that makes her stand out so much from everyone else, right? And it's like, hey, make the food and serve it, pregnant wife. Like I, that's the thing too. I have two kids. The thought of being like, hey, wife, get fucking dolled up. And walk around serving sandwiches you made. That alone tells you like the level of people you're dealing with, right? That's right. fucking baffling. Also, you just got out of the hospital, right? Full of fucking shards of you know menace. Now go doll up and put shards your heels on and menace. walk around, babe. But right when the girl's like, "Oh, I'd have to have my fucking stomach pumped," 
Like that girl. He got any PSL stuck in there? <laughs> that girl, right? Yes. And then she goes, oh, God, I'm sorry. And you see her face like, oh, my God, she knows what happened to me. Right. And then everything stops and everyone fucking looks at her and he goes, no, no, we're fine. It's good. Yeah. My mother has her on a new diet. It's so gut It's horrible. It's so much it's worse. It's so Oh my god. You know what's fascinating is the scene before that is him like flying off the handle screaming at her and like cleaning out the bedroom and everything like that. Yeah. It's so much worse that he's like trying to put on a like happy face in front of everyone at a party. I'm like you could have yelled at her like for 10 minutes and it would have been infinitely better than anything that's going on right now. Mm-hmm. And then she takes him outside, says I don't want everyone to know and it's like again, it's one of those like pat on the backs where he's like, no, it's okay. Everyone's here for us. Everybody, everybody wants you to be well. And it's like, stop doing this, man. Well, what's really scary in that exchange is he does the same thing he does four time, which is I will be better. I'm here for you. Right. In the moment she pushes back, right? I don't, I can't believe you told them. Don't fucking ruin my birthday. Yeah, don't ruin my birthday. Back in. He does this like five times in the movie where he says, it'll be different. It's fine. Just come home. Uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then he snaps and like the true face, like, yeah. you fucking peasant. Yeah. How dare you not realize this is about me? Like, I think he even says later about the uh, ev- telling everyone in the office, he's like, I needed the support. And it's like, <laughs> I get it. I mean, there is a part of this where. You can't completely discount, I guess, what he's feeling because what she's doing is lethal. And there is some world where I do believe he probably cares about the, uh, you know, greasy haired fucking rich spawn that's going to crawl forth uh, from her womb. Right? So I think he cares enough yeah. that there could be another little Von Fuckface the eighth, right? <laughs> so, like, maybe he's going through some stuff, but it's also like, hey, brother. Maybe just fucking maybe. Yeah. Try a little more. Maybe be try. And this is this is the 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 part that's so hard is watching her constantly reach out. Yes. And get like the weirdest one is this movie gives you that sense of unsafety, which I like to talk about in some movies. Like when he's having his frat bros over, right after she's passed the tack, and you're like, oh, this is getting bad. Right. Uh, instead of having someone there, uh, her brothers are there, right, or the frat bros are there. And they, the guy comes inside, and he's like, hey, can I have a hug? She's like, what? I'm lonely, and I'm too afraid to ask for a kiss. Something like that. And I go, yeah. oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. I'm like, this is the kind of guy yeah. who's like, you want to run a train on my pregnant wife? Go ahead. Yeah. Profits, right? And you're like, oh, my God. So I was so uncomfortable and scared. And they turn it around in this strange way where she hugs him and then says thank you. And you start thinking about it, and you're like, fuck, that's probably – the most relatable thing that's happened. Because imagine your house, right? Like, if you were, had, like, guests over. Uh, and your wife's in her nightgown, right? Yeah. First off, you'd never say, hey, walk your ass out to say hi to my friends in your nightgown. Right. Uh, pregnant wife. Secondly, if I found out, like, Amy's like, hey, uh, Alex came inside. Yeah? How'd that go? Uh, Well, he asked for a hug and said, you know, maybe we could kiss or whatever later. And, you know, we hugged it out. Um. That would not be like cool. No. <laughs> like, yeah, what the fuck? I, again, is I, I was so shocked. The entire scene, I was like, is he not going to turn around? Like, I was like, why isn't he coming in and being like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, because nothing. she literally does not exist except for as a, a prop just, in this playhouse. Just a receptacle. She is to literally pump out a babies. Barbie in his Malibu Kin house. That's what she is to him. So it could not even press upon his mind. That she might need him or be in danger. But this is the weird thing, right? So that scene reeks of danger. Right. And when she hugs, something that would be so scary to all of us, right? If that happened in our own homes, right? Just weird. It's just not how people behave. She's like, you know what? I fucking totally get that. You know? And then that's the other thing. He does that again at the party where she's outed. The other person. And again, it's like, oh, look at this guy's fucking uh, kink and coping mechanism. No one bats an eye at that. So it is this weird kind of parallel journey, like two just kind of broken, empty people. You know, she's not necessarily empty, I guess. She's like a bag of tricks. But, you know, this this like parallel journey of his behavior just is, oh, it doesn't disrupt anyone else. Right. Right. 
hers is disrupting, you know, the riches. So now she has to suffer. It's fucking brutal, man. Because you so want her to find a moment. This is one of the things I really love, too. Who would have thought when this movie starts that Lue is the fucking guy who would understand? Because when that guy drops in the film, I immediately said, well, this is not okay. This is not safe for her. He just looks like a guy who's there to, I will fucking whoop your ass. I thought that, I thought he that was really interesting. Easily the best arc in the movie, by the, well, maybe not the best, but you know what I mean. But he's no, unbelievable. He's, he's interesting because, like, their first interaction is literally about like, why do you, like it's it's a great. I mean, it's the conceit of the movie. It, Louie is like the audience asking her why, because like you're like nice house, you're rich. Why are you doing this stupid shit? Like, why would you do that? Yeah. And he literally yeah. gives that whole thing. He goes, yeah. Uh, things blow up around me. That's why I don't live in Syria anymore. So um, if you go to war, yeah. you don't do stupid shit. If you're in the middle of well, a war, you don't do stupid shit. He says that right. Like He's that. like, yeah, if you if you have to deal with war, you wouldn't have these mental weaknesses. Right. Right. But like, that's exactly. Yeah. You know, this is the exact. You have been put in this unnatural thing. So. Right. You know, now you and I mean, that's what but he's they, so fascinating yeah. because he. It is a different thing, but it is like this sort of relatable. It's a relatable thing for probably people who have seen trauma. There's some sort of trauma. And again, mm-hmm. that trauma is not necessarily revealed to us immediately. But it's one of those things where it's like trauma sees trauma. And I think that's kind of right. what ends up happening like two thirds into the movie, like right before the third act, when you get the scene where they crawl under the bed together. And I think yes. that's one of those and things. That's, that's the seminal moment. Yeah, that's a really pivotal moment in the movie itself. Besides, like I think it comes immediately after the other like major moment that kind of spurns on the third act of the movie. But that, right. in and of itself, is such an important emotional moment because you do get to see these two people who haven't necessarily shared the same trauma like at all, but mm-hmm. understand what trauma looks like. And I think that's what Louie's yeah. point of being there is, is he understands what it's supposed to look like. Like, all, and again, it's another great example in the movie of like all these rich whites are sitting there and you're like, oh, we'll get that Syrian guy over there and he can like beat some sense into her and shit. And it's like, don't worry, he's a peasant. We'll do- <laughs> they thought they were hiring a henchman, not a friend. <laughs> right. Well, that's exactly what it was. And it's really fascinating because it does, everything feels so hyper contextualized because of how like presumptuous and shitty all of these rich people are in this movie. Like they are truly like, it's like watching like 15th century French people like spit on, like spit (laughs) seeds of like rotten tomatoes at the peasants. It's fascinating. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's the funny thing, right? Is cause he is played in the movie as, you know, Oh, I'll cut those. Like he's in her shit. Right. Yeah. And then it's like, I'm going to pat you down before you can go to the fucking restroom as if this is, a normal okay thing because again the kid's like oh i can't i can't with this right i'm trying to be a young ceo i can't can't." right right uh and so this guy lue you're like oh this feels scary right he's uh you know not letting her have any space you know and then again he kind of discounts her experience right right but like you said lue is uh an actual human character in the film which is he is a person who's seen things and has trauma and he recognizes it in another, right? He realizes this isn't, you know, some kind of play, you know, get attention. That Something's really going on with her. Right. And when he crawls under that bed and just fucking puts a hand on her shoulder and says, you're safe here. That's the moment as an audience member that you were just begging for. Like, please, God, show me one fucking reason why. Because I was watching the movie and I was like. I am wondering why they've showed her on that porch eight times and she hasn't just jumped because there's just so much fucking yeah. despair in what she's going through. And and that's the other thing, too. This movie does a really great job of showing you how fucking close we all are to being the crazy person. Right. Where so right. she's giving up so much of herself and being who she's supposed to be thinking it's OK. Now she doesn't have a self anymore. And then once they start turning their backs on her, she's alone. She's the crazy one that no one will listen to. No one wants her opinions. No one can touch her for fear she's contagious. And here's just this guy who just crawls under the bed, man. And just it's a it's an actual moment of human decency. And then again, the movie in in as it does. Right. is like I'm not going to let you feel okay 
Uh, that's immediately when she goes and gets the glasses it's, repair kit and fucking slams that screwdriver. I mean, I, <laughs> what do you make I mean, of that? that why go? The... Why go right then? Right after a moment of decency, why dive for the screwdriver? I mean, well, I mean, she goes for the screw. I mean, it's not just that she goes for the screwdriver after she hears the conversation, but I no, mean, no, 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 that's after because Lue falls asleep under the bed and she sprints out, and that's oh, when she gets. Oh, you're right. Sorry, I'm thinking. Sorry, I'm right. jumping ahead. Um, because well, I was like, that's the most dangerous thing she sw- Although it is funny, earlier her tray has like a waist up figure of a ballerina that's like porcelain. Okay. I'm like. I was like, there's yeah. no buttholes. I, that I can wanted to ask that. you. Like, <laughs> I wanted I wanted at some point to talk about the items that she swallowed because they did get progressively bigger. And that one, I have no idea how she did it. Well, I was like, that had to be like a she broke it into parts and then re super glued it once like the uh, fecal matter was cleared off. So I was like, that ballerina with the, you know, I'm a little teacup and uh, had like a tutu on it. I'm like, there's no way. There's literally no yeah. way that's coming through. <laughs> No, not a chance. But the screwdriver no, is, again, that's such a brutal scene, too, because you see Lue come out, and he's like, it almost tells Lue, right, that his fucking moment of humanity gave her the opening, right? So it's like, fuck, what is this I don't know if I read me? it that I'm not sure I read it that way. Like, to me, the screwdriver is her, I think she's so, the concept of being friendly is so cold to her at that point in the movie. Like, the only people she's related to are her therapist that she's been forced to see. So this guy who's also had to pat her down before she goes to the bathroom and all this stuff is showing this semblance of normalcy, trying to say, like, I understand, like, give her the opening to be real. I think that's probably part of that's probably the last straw of like, I have to see if I mean, that might even be like, I have to see if this is real. I have to see if this person actually cares about me. So she's going to swallow something that she knows she can't actually get down and he's going to have to figure it out. Like he saves wow, her, he effectively okay. saves her life. So maybe that's how she knows he's real. I mean, that to me is the bigger thing. And that's Hunter's journey throughout the movie is trying to find control in her situations, but even more so trying to find the control in the people in her life. She can't control anyone. She has no control, and she's, like, reminded of that every single time she's around that family. And every single time she's around the therapist, even. She's being forced to see a therapist. So for Lue to be there and to, like... A therapist who's a fucking stooge, also. Who's a fucking snitch, too, man. Very uncool. A fucking stooge, man. That part pissed me the fuck off. <laughs> it's pretty fascinating. Like, that, to me, is one of those, like, great moments in a movie. Like, th- so, like... That like bit where she hears him conspiring. That I mean, that to me is like, it's not even about control at that point. Like then she realizes there's no one she can trust except for Lue, who's the person who saved her life. Like, I think that's the, that's other kind of like the crux of the story and the bit itself is that I think Hunter swallowing these things is less a cry for help, but more like, obviously it's part of her understanding. Like there's things she control can control, but Richie wasn't like noticing her. She's just like you were saying or like we were saying earlier, she's just literally like a throw pillow of a person. So, well, it's funny too, because that moment becomes this, she tells the truth to her therapist, right? Like, I don't really want to say it. And she kind of does it in this very, very nonchalant with a mannequin like facade. Right. Because she's probably been guarding this her whole life. Right. So she's used to how this and she's in a situation now where they're weaponizing everything against her. Right. Right. This movie, actually, I'll tell you, that scene was really fascinating to me, too, because when she pulled out the picture of her dad, I thought she was starting a ruse. I thought this was going to be a, oh, I'm I'm going to set them up for something, right? Right. It felt so strange and staged. And then you, by the end of the movie, you're like, oh, she had just receded back into the, you know, they talk about this sometimes with people who, you know, survive traumas and this and that. They go into this, like, as they're retelling the story, like, they start to drift away from it, right? So as they're telling you, right. they're not so close to it. It's too hard, right? But I thought she was setting them up for, like, a sneak attack, right? And then you see her, like, lose it. And this is the part that's 
fucking crazy. We see her losing it, wiping dirt all over her face. Yeah. Um, you know, the husband's trying to pretend like, oh, it looks good, honey. And Louie's in the background. It's just all weird and off. And she's outside trying to hose herself down. And he just comes out like, I'm going to the gym. Uh, I'll buy you something. What yeah. do you want? And it's like, God, fucking, fucking dickhead piece of shit. And he even says it too. He says it earlier too when he's yelling at her about uh, the hospital visit, and he's throwing all the shit around the room. Mm-hmm. He's like, "You should have told me these things before we were married, right? Like, right. A, you should have told me you were one of the broken pores, right? Right? That you're not Cinderella." And it it's such a fucking. It's just like it's unbearable. It's fucking unbearable. Because again, it's like it's as soon as he hears it, he's like, "Oh yes, the problems of lesser people. Like I knew it was right. her and not me." Well, and it's I- like. Bitch, you have not tried once yeah. to just be decent. Just be fucking decent and listen to her. Also, the fact, like, you never asked her about her parents. Yeah. It's like it's 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 pretty shocking. I mean, and again, it's one of those. It's again goes back to what we've been talking about, which is these people just. It's like they're buying commodities. She is a piece yeah. of furniture in the house. Like, oh, you have a nice house by the lake. What do you do now? Oh, I guess I'll get a wife and put her Hire in there. Hire a security guard named Louie, yeah. Hire the Syrian guy who or I can like, deport on hey, a whim if I want to. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're fucking up our uh, frat bro Thursdays, so we're going to put you in a home right. uh, for seven months until the child's born, or Richie wants a divorce. Can't even fucking say it Can't himself, that it little himself. fuck. What up? And that's, you know what? That's another one of those brilliant staging bits. The father stands by the fireplace, right? Mm-hmm. As she's pleading, right? Like, I know I went too far. It was a silly game. She kind of will briefly look over at the mom and uh, her husband, Richie. She's looking at her father-in-law the whole time. Like, I know that whatever you say is what matters. Right? I can't talk to my love, right? This bonded partner and ask for help. She just stares at her father-in-law for the most part. And I was like, that is so fucking sad it's just tragedy it is and even when she runs right Louie helps her escape right again this fucking lovely bit of this man just you know he gets oh be free he gets it uh it's just it's hard to watch and then i will ask you this right regarding the ending yes not the very ending um what did you make of the father bit right because if i'm being honest with myself I feel like they were trying to tie the trauma of what she's going through, right, to this past event that happened to her mom. And it felt fairly disjointed to me, right? Because to me, the impetus for her to start eating all this stuff and whatever was the fact that now this little Von Fuckface the Eighth is inside her body. Now this family's having calls in the other room about her body and her womb, right? So this child is this invading force to her. Right. And so by putting something in her mouth and feeling the pain and this and that, she is reconnecting to her physical body, right? This is mine. I control if it hurts, if it's a sensation I want. This is my shit. That's, to me, the story of the film. The She has unresolved issues because of a crime committed against her mother felt very shoehorned in at the end um i'm not i would argue that they still get good run out of it but what did you make of this as a device in the story i'm not sure i read it that way to be honest with you like because she was so nonchalant about what had happened like and granted that's like a lot of psychological trauma probably like scar tissue over but to me that's like my favorite scene in the entire movie. Like, first off, I think I think Dennis O'Hare, the guy who plays her dad, is fucking brilliant in everything he does. Like, yes, he's just like one Absolutely of those all timer character actors, like Tobolowski style character actors who just shows up in a movie and slams. But mm-hmm. to me, the scene is much less about her like trying to put together the trauma and like trying to like get some sort of closure on it. Because to me, that's not what the movie's about. Like the movie, it in all its weirdness is not about closure; it's about control. So to me, that scene when she stops him and she's like, "No, I'm in control. I'm telling you what to do. Like I'll make the decision. I haven't decided if I'm gonna fuck your fuck up your shit or not." Like it starts there, and then all she wants to know is like, "Are you like me?" And we all know what she's asking. 
And I think that's like the really important thing too, is like, he has no idea what she's getting at. And he obviously doesn't yeah. have this issue, but she's like, are you like me? And I think right, to but me, see, that line to me is an interesting question because to me, that's, that's the disjointed nature, right? She's clearly not like him. He's an actual fucking criminal, right? right? Well, I think what she's saying is that, cause I think that scene is really, it does a lot of work in a couple ways, right? Because one, we've just seen the, I'll hunt you down to the end of the earth, you fucking ungrateful. C-word. You know, not cool. Yeah, C-word, right? Never a good line for your wife if you're trying to honestly win her back. Right. Uh, you know, <laughs> while Poppy sits in your fancy boy car, <laughs> fucking just, if there's a C-word in the movie, it's it's Richie, for sure. It's Richie, but, for sure. Uh, <laughs> but that, like, so to go from that, right, that we have everything, everything's great, and it's just this hollow house of horrors right this this fucking modern art piece fucking nightmare to then go to this house where this man committed this crime against her mother and he has a wife and he has a daughter and it's his birthday and the house is full of the sounds of a family that us normal people recognize right Right. laughter people talking i think in that moment I think what she's asking him, the am I like you, is not am I broken, right? I think what she's asking him is can I start over, right? That's how I kind of read it because sure that helps me with my the two traumas being somewhat disjointed. Well, right? to me, she I mean, I sees... guess you could say the baby and the husband invading her body is very much reminiscent right. of what happened to her mom. Well, Maybe. I mean, to me, it's much more like she's asking that question and they're having that moment together because what she's trying to determine is if he can start over. And he gives this horrible story about like his time in prison. And like, if he can but start... But the part I loved, right, is he he, he was like her and yeah. then he said, uh, the secrets made me feel powerful. I thought I was God. Right, exactly. So he, she's asking, like, you were able to take control over this darkness inside you or this you know this thing that could kill you this thing that makes you feel powerful but really in the end can also take all the power away from you you were able to get control of it can i do that and he even says he's like you're not like me which is fascinating and then the next thing you get to is her in the clinic which is right before yeah we'll get to (laughs) We'll touch on that briefly, right? But I think I think there's really important beats in what she says, right? Because she does the, don't touch me, I'm in charge, right? She's she's forcing it on him, right? Like, I fucking run this shit. It's the first time in the movie we've seen her absolutely in control of someone. Right. And I think what is interesting about that part is we see his facade fall away too, right? Mm-hmm. What he says is that he thought he was God. And he went to prison and got stomped and stomped and beaten and he said i realized i wasn't god but that i'm shit and so this is not a you know i learned my lesson and i have a happy life he thinks he's shit right so his his subtle his place of reality is similar to hers Mm -hmm. he just is putting on the face the same way she was his home life just seems a lot better right so i was like there's a lot of weird stuff in that scene and then when she says i need to hear you say it that i'm not like you i was like Again, that's a weird ask because he he literally does not know or understand her. And she has to know that. But that's part of her thing is she wants to know if she – she wants to know if he does. Like, preternaturally, does he understand her? I mean, like, because you think about it, the only person who – By what he says, she knows that he understands her, right? Right. Because those are similar to her thought process. But, I mean, by the very nature of the narrative, you know the only person who understands her at this point is Lue, which is crazy because he's almost a bit character in a lot of ways. So, to me, what's fascinating about her confrontation with her father is that it really ends up being this resolution of, like, I took control of this thing inside me and this thing that like, but it was because it got basically stomped out of me. Like I didn't leave prison thinking I could get away with it again. That kind of stuff. Yeah. She, he, well, it, like, it wouldn't have him, made him, him feel him the saying, same way. Not, yeah. Right. Him saying you're not like me is hers is almost giving her permission. Like, 
but you can be like, and it's almost to me, like it's almost like a challenge. Like, I feel like that's how Hunter, by the end of the movie, that's Hunter's reaction to someone saying no to her is like, you want to bet that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I almost wondered if it was her just kind of looking at him and just, you know, it's this demystification, right? He's no longer just this little newspaper clip in her wallet, right? She's just like, you're, you are nothing, right? Like you have this good thing here, but you're, you're a fraud, right? Beneath the happy family man. And I'll go to the grill, honey. Right. You are just this guy that thinks you're shit. And so to me, that's what she's asking, right? Mm -hmm. The, am I shit? Am I, am I, and he's like, no, you still, you can take the reins of this. That's the thing. I, I think it's a, it's a bit messier than I, I feel like the rest of the movie's fairly streamlined and it, it's one of those, it, it feels like it's becoming this trend in a lot of low budget thriller horrors, which I'm not an enormous fan of, which is like, we'll just add this in as a plot device, right? Like this will just be added into the character to, you know, whatever. I'm like, I don't think that's the way I would like to see that right. handled. I mean, I'm not, again, I'm but not entirely. I think the scene is real. I'm with you. It's one of the best scenes in the movie. Yeah. I mean, I'm not. Because the acting is just fucking spectacular. Yeah. I mean, I'm not entirely sure I agree with your analysis of it, but I, I can understand that if it's not, I can understand how you can find it a little muddy and a little almost counterproductive to the narrative in a way, because if you just cut to something else, like if you, if you cut out a lot of like that scene, like if you make it a much shorter scene, it is a very streamlined movie. This gives it this sort of weird, um, like the gravity of the emotions sort of finally like settle on the bottom of the ocean of this movie. And mm -hmm. what's weird is like, cause to me, like her eating soil in the hotel room is like, probably like, like, well, that's the saddest thing I'm seeing in this entire movie. My mom did that when she was pregnant with me. She used to have to pull over on the side of the road and eat dirt. Are you serious? I'm fucking a hundred percent serious. Zaina Griffey approved. She just, she's like, I'd be driving and I'd just be like, fuck, that dirt looks good. And she'd like pull over on the side of the road and eat a handful of dirt. Wow. It happened. I took that as she's back in the real world, right? She's like eating her way back into our reality Very, almost. I mean, I agree because her hair, again, like by the end of the movie, her hair has changed. That hair is so perfectly quaffed through the movie. <laughs> and then by the end, it's pulled yeah, back it's into a ponytail. It's pretty fascinating. <laughs> It's that Nicole Kidman Paddington shit. It's it <laughs> is. It's very specific. It's fascinating. But yeah, so what I think of my final thought on that scene, right? Not to belabor this point. I was like, we are the thing that I feel like it cheated us out of a little bit, right? By adding this extra element in. She's now confronting a crime that was done upon her mother, right? I was like, we already have two men characters and even a fucking dis bitch who she should have had that moment with right instead of confronting this father right that she had never really known and was not connected to i would have loved it if that scene was her screaming at her father-in-law right because richie essentially does not exist as a human being he is this weird vestigial basket case style growth on his father's you know body right her getting to have that conversation with the father-in-law, the patriarch, you know, the guy is like, oh, and we want a divorce, but you can have your fucking divorce. This is me. I'm in control now. I would have loved her to say that right in the fucking face of the people we've watched victimize her this whole movie instead of this specter of another event. You know what I mean? Me personally, it would have felt. It would have kept I that think, streamlined. I get it. I mean, there's definitely more catharsis and screaming at the father-in-law. I, yeah. I, well, I mean, it's probably more realistic that those people will just be fine and not care. Yeah. They're not going to give a shit. <laughs> yeah. Like clearly he didn't I mean, Richie Vaughn fuck wit didn't care for her anyways. So we got to remember all these wealthy, uh, swear these word, name wealthy, wealthy people, three. swear word nicknames. Yes. <laughs> Vaughn butthole poops. <laughs> the but yeah. And then, Oof. you know, the final scene, uh, you know, she decides to terminate the pregnancy. Um, and we get one of the weirdest yeah. shots that I've ever seen in a movie, which is we're just going to end on other ladies 
taking care of bathroom stuff. Um, it almost did just feel like the movie walked away and left me like tied to a chair. Like, wait, what? Like, that's a lot to grapple with. I wish we would have put a better bow on it. But that's mm, I get it. It's kind of apt, right? Is that yeah. like life's gonna go on? I mean, life's I think what going, it is man. is life has to go on for Hunter. Like Hunter's gonna figure out how to do this on her own. And I think that's Ooh, that's good because she's walking away. This is her story now. Yeah. We don't get a peep on that. Like, Ooh, I like that. We're that's not gonna get a piece of that. Like I think that's the thing I liked the most. And yeah. granted, it's horrifying to look at. Like the way it's shot is yeah. so intelligent to me. Like it focuses solely on her. Like you get like a quick glimpse into the toilet bowl and you're like, <gasps> but it has, right. It's and I, I think that's one of those. That's part of why we did the trigger warning at the start. Cause mm-hmm. that's a fucking brutal it's moment. Pretty intense. Man. But like, and what I like about that moment too, is that they don't, it's not cavalier, right? Like I think it's one of the things we forget about in that debate. And again, not that we're diving into any serious no, hot we are not. topics or whatever, but it happened in the movie. I think what it shows is that that's a, that's a fucking hard, moment it's terrifying for everyone right it's, this is not something people are just doing like Ooh, i gotta get back right. to the wet t-shirt contest it's jello shot night it's like this terrible, is a yeah but she but they the serious personal nature with which they shot it i was like even if you're triggered by that you should be able to understand yeah. i mean the emotionality of I it i mean it's terrible but i think what i love the most is that we're not focused on that we're focused on her and then we're focused her. on her that's leaving right. and that's it. Like we don't need to know anything else about Hunter. She'll probably go on to have a reasonably okay life swallowing whatever things she finds or not. See, I feel like she'll, I feel like she won't swallow anymore. No, like that. She's, she's done with that. Like the trauma of the, she's already suffered the greatest trauma, which is dealing with oh. that fucking rich people family. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Cause she actually freezes on that last pill. Mm-hmm. And it's almost as if like this is the the final it's the last right? swallow. Like, yeah, it was. Yeah, man, it was really. It's a it's lot, a and that's the thing. It's it's there are a lot of scenes in this that'll be wildly uncomfortable for a lot of audiences. Yes, definitely trigger when warning. I, the ASMR is. Whew. Yeah, well, because I think people will turn it on and be like, "Oh, I'll watch her like you know eat a buzzsaw and watch it like roll around under her skin yeah. and this and that." I think what. I found myself unprepared for, and I think a lot of people will going in blind is uh, the, the fucking horror and the grotesque elements of the film come from just how fucking easily we can allow ourselves to be victimized by people. Yes. And how willing those people are to victimize you, man. And, uh, you know, again, just that how Hunter gets so pulled away from herself and reality right she's immediately turned into this crazy extra person that has to be supervised and all of that is true right and it's hard and it's scary and it's really a fucking brutal film at its core but i think that the the anchor right the 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 light amongst the abyss right that brings us home all the time is this really earnest and uh deft way that they handle Handle the emotions of grief, right? It's not always going to be comfortable. Yeah, it's and it's done really well in this film. It is. It's just one of those brutal, brutal movies that also covers a lot of ground on stuff you didn't expect it to. I really enjoyed it. I didn't expect myself to enjoy it, and I feel like I cringed at all the right things, but necessarily (laughs) so. Yeah, there was an enormous amount of cringing and yelling at my TV, right? Yes. Uh, Yeah, again, I would have loved one more scene where uh, the Von the Von Buttholes fly off the cliff like the O'Doyles oh. in Happy Gilmore, whatever that movie God is. God Billy Madison. Billy That's Madison. Billy Madison right? Yeah. Yeah. So if the Von Buttholes hit O'Doyle off the cliff, flawless execution for this movie for me. Uh, but as it is, man, I think this is just a very fascinating, super well done movie. The actors are spectacular. I, I really can't sing the praise of this movie enough. Again, trigger warning, worth the worth the uh, the pain, though, I would argue, man. Agreed. Uh, that's it for Swallow. I hope you guys have enjoyed it as much as we have. Again, we're trying to add more of these in, especially this month and, uh, you know, maybe after October. October, obviously, slated in a horror movie every single day, so prepare yourselves for that. Um, but, guys, we're looking for these movies, <sighs> right? 
smaller on-demand releases, these movies that have maybe shined a little more than they would have had we not all been locked in our houses for the last handful of months. So if one of these kind of movies has really lit you up, find us on all your social medias or email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. Uh, when we do the episode, and if you want to watch us talk about stuff, if you want to see our mouths moving as we talk, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Nerd Alchemist. Also, please take a second and leave us a rating and review wherever you find the pod, especially if that's Apple Podcasts. Please. Uh, all right, this month, Alex is long, long uh, teased BFF trilogy, right? The uh, yes. the intertwining of Matthew Lillard and Freddie Prinze Jr. Indeed. Uh, we got we got a triple, a three-headed fucking beast oh, yeah. of a month coming at you. So stay tuned. This Thursday, she's all dead. Yeah. yeah, you want to talk about some fucking emotional abuse? Oof. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. This is a an odd double pairing for that. Uh, yeah. So, uh, people, be better to your significant others. For the film alchemist, I'm Josh Griffey. I'm Alex Dandino.